0: What is good, everybody? Welcome to another Gold Standard podcast, part of the Niners Nation Podcast Network. I am Rob Stats Guerrero. He is 11 Black. What's going on, 11? I'm ready to get into it. You're getting kind of
1: a grumpy 11 this weekend. There's a lot of things going on there, just kind of annoying the hell out of me. Mm,
0: boy, there's a shock. 11's grumpy. The human wet blanket <laughs> is upset, everybody. Uh, we'll get into all of that, but before we do, we always want to remind you, please rate, review, and follow the Niners Nation Podcast Network. We always say if you take the time to leave a review, we will take the time to read it. This one comes from Denver41, five stars, second to none. Luna and Vega, KP and Akash, stats and the wet blanket, stats and mags, need I say more? Okay, I will. How about a daily bite-sized update every weekday on the latest Niner news? You don't need to go anywhere else for 49er audio content. The gold standard. even have Joe and Staley as a regular guest for the past few weeks, which provides the absolute best insights from a former player that I've ever experienced as a lifelong Niner fan, Joe Staley. Subscribe to this podcast right now. No excuses. Keep up the good work, and don't get rid of Michelle on Fridays. I've won a fair amount of money listening to her betting advice. Denver 41, that is a thoughtful thorough review and we are grateful one first off thank you two uh what level of
1: marketing are you in for sb nation (laughs) (laughs) because that reads like a pr person like literally like lists off everything you could possibly list off on what we provide while also saying it's really good
0: That was probably the best review we've ever had. So thank you, Denver 41. Uh, Then there's this one, five-star rating. Change my rating to five from WWE champs say no. Really respect Rob stepping in for all the hosts to go over this season. Last week, I did a show every single day of the week. If people aren't aware, it's not easy to talk about how it ended in Jimmy's end. Do you want to move past it? He's been on every day for us. Thank you. P.S. Can't wait for Jimmy Garoppolo to be on the Steelers and Michelle to be on the other side of the Jimmy experience and Rob telling her it will be okay. Here's the thing. I won't tell her it will be okay because it (laughs) won't be okay. (laughs) You
1: know what I can't wait for in regards to Jimmy, other than just moving on completely and having him traded. Ten years from now when he's retired and we get him back on this show. (laughs) And we play him back all your, you know, your hit list, your highlights. And be like, what do you think of this one, Jimmy? Okay, what about this one?
0: Yeah, that's great. And then right (laughs) after, we could play his interceptions. And I'll ask him about those, too. (laughs) But that's the thing, Levin. Like, we, so we thought going into this offseason, right, we'd have the Jimmy trade. And then that would be it, right? We'd be free and clear. We kind of knew the direction that things were going. And then Scott Zolak, a... Patriots radio analyst former Patriots quarterback now has a show in Boston just decided to light the world on fire at least 49ers Twitter because he starts talking on his show about how he thinks the Niners should get Tom Brady that Tom Brady has wanted to play for the Niners for a while which by the way he has I know that for a fact. That Brady's wanted to play for the Niners for a while, and that Zolak says Trey Lance isn't ready. The Niners should get Brady. They'd be instant Super Bowl contenders, and they could let Trey Lance learn from the GOAT. And that has dominated the topic of 49ers Twitter 11 all day today on Wednesday. I'm so sick of this. (laughs) (laughs) Like, this is the dumbest
1: storyline I can remember. Like, this is not happening. Two years ago, okay, yeah, this is a storyline because you didn't know what Tom's gonna gonna do. There's no way Tom Brady is going to go back on his retirement, which I think is something that he cares about. He doesn't like saying, you know, he doesn't like being inconsistent in any matter, whether it's play or his talk. There's no way that he is gonna come out of retirement. To, re- to go to the 49ers, move his family across the country after he just moved them to New England. He's talked about how this retirement's all about family. You saw his family in the press box a lot more this season. At least they put him on camera a lot more this season than I think we've ever seen. I just, there's 0% chance, zero. Like, I'm so sick of this. This just annoys the hell out of me because I'm ready to move on. And part of what really annoys me is the hypocrisy from some of the people talking about this on Twitter today. Some people I actually respect doing it all season long. They were, Hey, Jimmy's the guy, Let let's, you know, back him while he's starting train Lance's times next year. You know, let's just support the guys we got, blah, blah, blah. And then the moment the off season hits and this story comes out, I see them on Twitter going, Hey, this could actually happen. Wouldn't that be awesome? It's like, <laughs> what what the hell? That's the exact opposite of how you were all year long. So I have some, Have some credibility, have some consistency, and pick. Either go to the sensational crap news, fake news constantly every offseason, or support your guys. You can't have it both ways. I I just can't. I'm so done with this. This is as clear as we've ever had the quarterback situation since 2019. That was made abundantly clear at the end of press conferences for this season. Because you had Kyle and John playing their games. Going, well, we'll see. And then Jimmy comes right on after him and is like, yeah, I hope I go to a winner. Like, you know, yeah, he's that's
0: gone. true. He literally did say, <laughs> yes. I don't know where <laughs> I want to go, but I want to go somewhere where they want yeah. to win. It,
1: and, he, you know, he's choking up, thanking everybody for all their time. Like, 100% clear. They're moving on from Jimmy. They traded three first-round picks for Trey. You think they're going to go trade something for Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers that I've seen thrown out there today as well? No. They don't have more draft capital to give up, which I've seen Yeah, some people out there saying, well, just trade Tampa, Jimmy Garoppolo for the rights to Tom Brady. Well, there's still trade value in there. There's still a draft pick loss there because you were going to get a second or third round pick probably for Jimmy. Now you're getting the rights to a guy who may not even retire. They're not trading anything more for the quarterback position. They already made their move last year.
0: I'm going to get into the factual kind of nuts and bolts of this. There's in a no second. facts when it comes to this.
1: I, this is all sensational BS offseason started
0: by a guy in New England. I just want to say I'm so tired. I'm so tired <laughs> of the quarterback stuff. I feel like I had to be on my guard all season because I was a Lance guy right? And the stands would come for you. You know, there's that gift that everybody uses where it's Jon Snow. I think it's Jon Snow. And you're looking at him from the back and it's just him. And there you can see the whole army coming at him in the distance and he's pulling out the sword. That's how I have felt this whole year. But just if we want to look at this, okay, first of all, the Buccaneers are going to wait until after June to make this roster move just for salary cap reasons. But If the Bucs place Tom Brady on the reserve retired list, they maintain his rights. So in order to get Tom Brady, you'd have to convince the Buccaneers to give him to you, which even if you could reach a deal and give up whatever capital you would give up, you still have to trade for him. The Buccaneers have to say, we're okay trading Tom Brady, who we have personally seen come into a team and win a Super Bowl in one year, we're okay trading him to another team in the NFC who by the way was in the conference title game last year. So there's just that fact of it all. But even if you they wanted to be nice and say, "You know what, Tom, thanks for everything. We'll just cut you." And then you can be a free agent and you can sign with whoever you want. The whole reason the 49ers like the idea of going with a rookie quarterback is because they're cheap. Tom Brady I don't think is going to take a super cheap deal. He's not going to take a deal. That's as cheap as Trey Lance's. I'll tell you, I'll tell you that right now. So logically there's that when they have to pay Debo and Bosa. And by the way, we're and they're over
1: the salary cap currently.
0: So I just think that, It's a cool idea for Zolak to say. And I think that people were like, well, he's the Patriots radio guy. He probably has a relationship with Tom. So there's something there. I think that he was throwing something against the wall, talking about Jimmy Garoppolo in a town where Jimmy Garoppolo's name still carries a lot of weight. I don't put much stock into this. You mentioned the Aaron Rodgers rumors, Levin. At least that came from a former NFL GM, a former executive of the year in Randy Mueller. Like, At least to me, that was more credible. He could still have sources in the league. To me, Scott Zolak saying that when he's on his show in Massachusetts, to me, he's just pandering to his audience, talking about Jimmy Garoppolo because he knows Garoppolo is still relevant and he's still kind of in the news now because that impending trade is a big story this offseason. I I just think it's insane and it's illogical to me on a lot of levels.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, the 49ers are currently over the salary cap. Obviously, they get under... Once they move on from Jimmy. But like you said, they have a couple big extensions that they've already admitted are planned for in the budget. Well, that pretty much takes your salary cap space. You need to sign a corner. There goes the rest of the salary cap space. You don't have any left. On top of that, the Aaron Rodgers thing, I don't know how else to put this other than I highly doubt Green Bay would trade Aaron Rodgers straight up for Trey Lance, which I don't know if the Niners would, because that destroys their whole future. And there's no way the Niners are adding to Trey Lance, and there's no way the 49ers can afford Aaron Rodgers if they don't include Trey Lance because they already traded first-round picks. You know, like there's just no way to get him, no logical way because the Niners aren't are set up to need a cheap quarterback because they have so many big contracts, and it, it's time. Like it's much more complicated if you really look into it. It's purposeful when a lot of the outs. Exist in the big contracts they've given up Mm -hmm. happen to coincide when Trey Lance would be due to get paid if he pans out. They can't afford a super expensive quarterback, they can't. So, you're going to have to convince Aaron Rodgers to take a pay cut, and you're going to have to give up the one guy that makes your entire budget work. If you, if (laughs) right, if they trade for Aaron Rodgers and get rid of Trey Lance, which they would have to do in order to be able to get Aaron Rodgers, in my opinion, because The Packers are going to want either high first round picks or a quarterback they think is the future. And the Niners don't have the high first round picks. So they have to trade Trey Lance in that. Well, how do they do that? If they do that, say goodbye to George Kittle. Say goodbye to Debo. Like those guys are not getting their big contracts. They're going to have to move on from Kittle as fast as they can and move on probably from at least one more big contract as fast as they can because of Roger's cap hit. like It's illogical. It's stupid, because it it literally doesn't have a possibility of working out. There's no logical trade, and there's no way it works for the Niners' budget. It's a complete non-story. And then you go to Brady. Yes, they could probably at least afford to get Brady, because in this scenario, Brady has to be on board coming. And the only way Brady's on board coming is if Brady's telling Tampa, I'm not freaking playing, trade me. But then why would Tampa do it? Say, okay, well, you already announced your retirement, so stay retired because we're not trading you for nothing. Like We're not trading you for anything. You can either stay retired or come play for us. That's your choice. Like, they hold all the chips there. But even if you could convince them to trade him, they can't afford the dang contract. It doesn't matter. Tom Brady's going to want at least probably $25 million. He's not going to come and do a swan song for $5 million a year. And on top of that, guess what? You probably burned the bridge 49ers to Tom Brady Two years ago,
0: that's what I don't think said. there's
1: any I don't think there's any doubt anymore. I think it's very, very, very likely that that quote you're sticking with that guy was about Jimmy Garoppolo.
0: The whole thing is crazy to me, and I know that you are the logical one, the wet blanket, and I'm more the hot take, emotional guy. But I will say, there is something different right about when you if you draft a guy and that guy develops and becomes. Uh, you know, a franchise player, an elite player, and you go on to have championship success with that player. It's different than if you just bring in the guy, much like the Rams are doing right now with Matthew Stafford. Not to say I wouldn't welcome a Super Bowl that way, not to say that it's not great and exciting, and, and Rams fans shouldn't be over the moon if they win the game on Sunday. They should. But I, would you agree with me, Levin, that it's just different when it's your guy that you drafted and you developed? And yeah. I kind of want that for the 49ers. Sue me if I would like to see, a, a, see us draft a guy, develop him and win with that guy. Like it it would be more special to me. Yeah. Hiring
1: a mercenary is never as satisfying and that's what it is. No, I don't blame teams for doing it. You absolutely have to, but I, I just, I can't, there's, there's no spot here where I can go, well, I can only see the logic of going to that topic because like, Okay, maybe those trades don't make sense, but I could at least having the conversation if, say, all the reports were Trey Lance bombed and he's not the guy. But that's not what the reports are. The reports are he picked up the playbook a hell of a lot faster than anybody ever has. Kyle Shanahan said he had it down by the end of the preseason and that that had no reason why he didn't start. The reports are that he was earning the job after one week of the training camp, but then he plateaued. Well, that tells you he has the high ceiling. He was literally beating out a guy that Kyle Shanahan did not want to bench. Then you hear after he finally recovered from the injury to his finger that nobody knew about, he hit another level that he kind of pushed through a wall. And towards the end of the year in practice, he was completely different. He was dominating. You heard that from uh, media reports. And you heard that from Fred Warner saying he's unstoppable in practice now. Like the reports are good. And what we saw wasn't, you know, amazing, but it was
0: good. I don't get it. Do you think that McVay being in another Super Bowl and potentially winning one, who we know Shanahan is a really good friend of Sean McVay, do you think Shanahan feels more pressure to win and win immediately because McVay is in Super Bowl number two and possibly could win a championship this weekend? I don't think
1: it changes anything for Kyle. But I think it eats away at him, yeah. But I don't think he he allows that to affect his decisions because ultimately what's best for winning is what's best for winning, you know what I mean? Like, he's not going to go out and be, I'm going to trade everything in the future to have a one-year shot at it because he knows as well as anybody that you can be the best team in that one year and still lose the Super Bowl. I mean, he was up 28-3 to as an offensive coordinator. So he knows that, Things can happen in any given year. So he's not gonna mortgage the future completely for one guy. It's just he's not gonna do that. And he can't afford any more crazy big trades because he traded three first round picks last year for Trey Lance. Now, I I will say there is an argument to be had about whether I would want McVeigh as a coach or Kyle Shannon as coach. That is a real debate. Oh, I, I, I will say this. I think Kyle is the smarter play caller. He's the better X and O's guy, but McVay is better at delegating when it comes to the coaching. I think he delegates better and they're more complete. It's not all on one guy. There's less disorganization with him. And we saw a lot of miscues this year, and I think it's because Kyle doesn't delegate well enough.
0: Well, I think McVay, I mean, McVay screwed up that NFC Championship game big time. They were out of timeouts like halfway yeah, the Yeah, time the timeout situation quarter. was terrible. There the, the, the was a hideous challenge by him. I mean, if you just look on paper, it, there's no contest. McVeigh blows Kyle Shanahan out of the water. He wins 10 games every year. They go to the playoffs every year. Uh, I would take Kyle, to be honest with you. I would take Kyle over pretty much any coach in the league. I, that's how much faith and confidence I have in him. Um, but I just do wonder if, like, you know, that's his buddy. They talk all the time. I know they're still really close. Like, he may be happy for McVeigh, but I think you're right. Like, he also is pissed. Like that's how I look at it. You know, I, I, uh, host and produce the SB nation NFL show. And part of that job involves me taking segments from that show and putting it on every team feed we have here at SB nation. So I have access to every podcast number. I could tell you exactly how many downloads every single NFL community has gotten every day of the week. I, I got all the info. Every time I check and see that Niners nation is not the biggest show. I get pissed, even though. Our other shows are doing great. Bleeding Green Nation, the Eagles community is crushing it. Blogging the Boys, the Cowboys community crushing it. Arrowhead Pride, the Chiefs killing it. Every time Niners Nation is not number one, I get pissed off. That's just that doesn't mean I want them to do badly. I'm just motivated that way, and I think Kyle's the same way when it comes to McVeigh.
1: It's quite possible. I just don't see that creeping in. the The only type of decisions that I don't think this would have much to do with McVeigh would be more so just. He knows how badly a single position can get hit by injuries. I could see him spending whatever it takes to keep Mostert from going to Miami, assuming that happened, assuming Miami pursues him, You know, I could see him saying, you know what, I'm going to give him, you know, $5 million next year to keep him here. You know, something along those lines. I I don't know what it would cost. Mostert's contract valuation is really, really interesting with Miami now Uh, probably coming into the mix. Like, he, I don't think you spend more than five with his injury history, but I could see him getting a Tevin Coleman type deal. Two-year, 10 million was what Tevin Coleman got when he came to the 49ers. I could see Miami going going there. But I could see him, Shannon saying he makes our, he's the best running back. He's better than Eli Mitchell. I have really cheap running backs outside of him because you have Mitchell, you have Sermon. I could see him saying that we're going to spend this money for the running back room because I do think that this front office and I include Kyle in this scenario as front office person has certain budgets for certain positions that they break it down saying we can spend this amount here. And they'll, they'll tinker with it a little bit and, you know, move a little bit like, Oh, okay. We had to spend a little bit more here. So we're going to take from here. But I do think they look at positions to a certain degree and say, we, we have this amount of money we can spend. And the running back room is all cheap rookie contracts. They're not even highly, you know, Sermon's the highest drafted and, but, that's not very high. The contracts go way down really quickly in the NFL draft. So I do think they have some money to spend on running back, and I think they would like to spend it on Moster.
0: Well, you mentioned uh, Miami. Mike McDaniel is obviously the head coach there. They hired John Embry, who's the former 49ers tight ends and assistant head coach. Miami just hired him to basically do both of those things there. I thought that was kind of a little bit of an FU move by Mike McDaniel. Like, okay. I'm scooping this guy right up. You don't want him. You made a mistake. We're taking him. Kittle was posting about that on his Instagram. He had a nice message for John Embry. I do think it's entirely possible that Mike McDaniel, if I were Mike McDaniel, I would spend the money on Raheem Mostert. Bring in a guy I know who can thrive in my system, who can help teach my system to the other players in that locker room. You know, there's no questions about how much he knows it or anything like that. You know, it's always good as a coach to bring in your guys, so to speak. You know they're gonna help smooth you over with the locker room and and keep things cool from that perspective. If I'm Miami, they don't. Their running back situation is a mess. I would absolutely pay up for Raheem Mostert. To me, he holds more value for Miami than he does for San Francisco.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It just depends. I don't know how much Mike McDaniel gets say when it comes to contracts and who they pursue in roster construction. To me, the John Embry thing is kind of a non-story because. It it is what it is. I think the Niners would have liked to keep him. He refused to take a huge cut and pay with the loss of the associate head coach. Him moving on to Miami, I don't see that as a nephew. I see that as somebody that's familiar with Mike McDaniel. And when you're a rookie head coach, you want people who know you and can help you. And Embry is somebody that knows exactly what McDaniel is like. He can help establish a culture. He can, you know, you're going to be on the same page right away with him because you have worked together for the last, what, four or five years. So I, I don't see that as a nephew. I see that as something that could have even have been prearranged that Mike McDaniel had a pretty good idea he was getting the job. And once Embry said, I'm not getting the six, I'm not taking the 60% pay cut, the Niner said, okay. And Mike McDaniel said, hey, if you let Embry go, I'm going to hire him in Miami. And the Niner said, well, we need to move on anyways because it's kind of like, not a good situation like I, I just don't i don't know why exactly you phrased it that way i don't know if you truly meant to say an f you
0: no i think it's kind of like an acknowledge like you're making a mistake that's the, the student telling the teacher he made it, you shouldn't have let this guy it's go a, it's
1: it's a different situation it's just like mostert Embry is more valuable to mike mcdaniel than he is to Kyle Shanahan at this point because Mike McDaniel needs to establish his culture. He needs coaches that he know knows is going yeah, well, to have the same message. Every
0: coach he hires is going to fit that mold. He's only going to hire people he knows. What other
1: tight end coach out there does he, does he have a relationship as close as Embry? None. Well, like That yeah, is the I'm... ideal guy for him
0: to bring in. Well, what about his offensive coordinator? What about his running backs? Like Every coach he hires is going to be somebody he has a relationship with.
1: Yeah. And that makes Embry the ideal tight end coach for him. He was not the ideal tight end coach for the 49ers
0: anymore. I do think it's interesting that they, I think they had an idea that he was going to go with McDaniel because otherwise, why would they approach him and be like, you're not going to be the assistant head coach anymore? You know, like did he do such a horrible job as the assistant head coach? They were just going to strip him of the title. So I I'm wondering if maybe they were like, you know what McDaniels, definitely leaving we want to bring in anthony lynn we can bring in lynn as the assistant head coach in addition you know he'll i'm sure he's going to pick up a lot of duties in designing that running game so maybe that whole thing that's how that whole situation unfolded regardless congratulations john ember you're now in miami good job coaching only in warm weather way to go Let's take a break, Levin. When we come back, I did an interview with Vernon Davis earlier on Wednesday, and I asked him, you know, you wore 85. There's a tight end on the Niners now that wears number 85. Like, who should be the all-time 49ers tight end wearing 85? We'll get into that and more with Vernon Davis when we come back. Joining us now, a man familiar to many 49ers fans. It's hard to get all your titles in, Vernon. Vernon Davis joining us. We've got actor, Super Bowl champion, artist, entrepreneur. Like, Do I have them all in there?
2: Yeah, sounds about right. <laughs>
0: what would you add if you said I left one thing
2: off? Gosh, I would say father. You forgot to say I was a father.
0: That's my bad. I'm a father of two myself. That's a terrible job by me. Um so there's a lot I want to talk to you about I want to talk to you about the Super Bowl your experience playing in the Super Bowl but like a lot of people you are here on behalf of a product or a cause that you are working with and this is fascinating to me because you're here with us with the Q collar and you got to explain this to me it's a collar that you can wear if you play football
2: that will help protect your brain Yes, it does protect your brain. Um, a lot of guys, people get it confused because they think it's supposed to prevent concussions, but it's about those repetitive hits. And that's what's so unique about Q Collar is that they've come up with this, with this idea and turned it into something that could eventually will eventually save so many people after it's all said and done. And that's what every startup is about. It's about inventing something that can make a huge impact on the world and change the world in the way we look at things.
0: You have worn this collar, I assume. Can, did you notice a difference? Like, tell us a little more about your experience with it.
2: Yeah, I've, I've really uh, I felt safe. I feel like I'm protected when I wear that collar. It's like anything else that's, that's supposed to be out there for, especially when it, when it comes to these. Uh, uh, I like to compare it to, what can I compare it to? Uh, like, we wear this helmet. We wear helmets because it's supposed to protect us to a certain extent, right? What we don't know, right? But we have faith and we believe because they designed it for our, for our good. Q Collar designed this collar for our good. They designed it for us so, so that it protect us and keep us safe from hurt, harm, or danger. So it's 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 one of those inventions that you 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 must believe in it um, because it's there for a reason. You know, um, like I said, most people invent things so that they can make a huge impact in the world and. I don't think the company would waste their time if they didn't think it was going to work. So uh, I'm backing the 100%. And when I was, like I said, when I was wearing it, it really made a huge difference in my game, um, the way I felt from a safety standpoint. And I felt like, I feel like it really protected me throughout the games that I played.
0: I think the point you make is a good one, that it's not just the concussions that you need to worry about. It's all the other hits that you take that maybe don't reach concussion level, but after years and years and repeated hits, they do have an impact. So I think that's something that you have to be concerned about as well. So I like the fact that the Q collar is addressing that. When I think to your career, the two biggest hits that I can remember you taking are one against cam Chancellor of the Seahawks, which the guy was a human freight train. So that's understandable. But the second biggest hit, Vernon, that I can remember you taking is actually you crashing into the wall in Tampa Bay. Do you remember that? And did you get concussed after that?
2: See, that was the moment where I needed a cue collar. I wish I had a (laughs) cue collar again. (laughs) No, I wasn't concussed. I was – yeah, nothing really happened during that time. Uh, I just – it was one of those deep balls that uh, Kaepernick threw threw to me, and I was going moving so fast that I didn't have a chance to really slow down. And I ran into – the wall, which was padded. It wasn't like a That's true. wall. It's padded.
0: Yeah. I, I remember thinking, like, my God, he's not gonna have enough room to stop. And of course, uh, he didn't <laughs> but I'm glad to hear that that everything was okay after that. Uh, so Rams and Cincinnati in the Super Bowl. You've played in a Super Bowl, you played in multiple Super Bowls, as a matter of fact. Did you do anything different in your Super Bowl with the Broncos from when you played in 2012 with the Niners?
2: I don't think I did anything differently. I think the uh, – I did everything that I that I would always – that I've always done in every game, which is play my best, give my best, and play to win. Did Peyton
0: say anything to you guys before the Super Bowl? Because, like, last year we heard all these stories about Tom Brady was texting everybody every day about how we're going to win the game and all that. Was Peyton, like, the same way, or did he kind of just leave everybody to their own preparations?
2: He just led everyone to their own preparation. He was one of those guys that just, you know, led by example. He was a general when he took the field, and you it was nothing like seeing him work the way he did. Not only was he a great football player, but he was a wonderful person. I really enjoyed my time with him. But yeah, he was just a beautiful teammate. You
0: obviously wore 85 for the 49ers. There's another tight end right now that wears 85 for the 49ers. If I'm picking the all-time 49ers tight end, am I going Vernon Davis or am I going George Kittle? Uh,
2: I think I would go George Kittle.
0: Oh, come on,
2: Vernon. You could say it. You could say you. I'd go George Kittle. I love George Kittle. I think he has, he has the potential to be one of the all-time greats in the 49ers uh, franchise because of what he's doing. I mean, his ability to be able to get, o- get open, get separation, and, and block at the point of attack. I mean, he's doing everything that – you want in your tight end. He has it. He's a mixture of Jordan Reed, Antonio Gates, and uh, Tony Gonzalez. He can do it all, man. He's just so exciting to work, just to see him really get out there and have fun with his craft. I I enjoy it each and every week.
0: Obviously, after football, like I said, when we started, you've done a ton of things. You've filled a variety of different roles. I want to know about Vernon Davis, the actor, because... I cannot act in any way, shape, form, or fashion. I'm not good at a lot of things. Definitely not good at acting. What is the most difficult thing about acting that you didn't realize until you started doing it?
2: I think the most, yeah, the most difficult thing about acting is just being able to really break down the script in a way where you fully understand it, right? Your intent, your uh, just your understanding of that script, where I'm coming from, where I'm going, and giving that dialogue life. Because the dialogue doesn't really mean anything until you put the intent behind it, right? It's somebody else's words, and now you have to really figure out how can you go in and, and use those words and your, make those words your own. You understand what I'm saying? Right. So that's the biggest thing when it comes to, um, to scripts.
0: So you are in acting now, and you've gotten the chance to work with Bruce Willis and Morgan Freeman. Who... Were you more starstruck to meet between those two?
2: I would have to say, gosh, I mean, they're both so dynamic. I mean, but Morgan Freeman, I watched him. I'm, I've probably watched every single movie that he's ever been in. And um, when I saw him, it was just, you know, I thought Voice of God. <laughs> Everyone that meets Morgan Freeman, that's, that's the first thing they say. Is, voice of God. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he was, he, was a, he was wonderful to work with. He was the first one to show up on set, last one to leave. And for him to be 80-something years old shows me and tells me a lot about him as well as myself. I learned learned a lot about myself and also know where I want to be when I, when I get up in age uh, like Morgan Freeman. I'd love to be like him and have that same enthusiasm and work ethic that he has.
0: Well, Vernon, we thank you very much for the time. Again, Vernon Davis is here on behalf of the Q Collar. You can go to qcollar.com to learn more information. I think you're doing a really good thing that's going to help a lot of players, Vernon, and I appreciate the time.
2: Thank you so much. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks again to Vernon Davis for a little time there. We hope you enjoyed that. All right, Levin. A couple other things we want to get to today. Debo Samuel's been making the rounds everywhere. He's going to make the rounds with Niners Nation tomorrow with Kyle Posey. Looking forward to that. But John Lynch has talked about it. Everybody's talking about it. The Debo Samuel contract. David Lombardi, my nemesis, had a tweet about wide receiver contracts and the top contracts in the league. And I got to tell you, I don't want Debo. Man, I I wouldn't pay Debo anywhere near the money that these guys are making. DeAndre Hopkins is at twenty seven point three million. Julio Jones twenty two. Keenan Allen twenty. Amari Cooper twenty. Michael Thomas nineteen point three. I think twenty is my limit. I wouldn't want to go any higher than that. Where are you on the Debo deal? It's an interesting question because, you know, I responded to that Lombardi
1: tweet saying that I think it's a very weird situation with Debo that I don't know how to approach because. On one hand, if a guy is hey, I want to be the highest paid ever, or you know, I'm guessing where Debo will come in because that Hopkins deal is like an outlier. It's a weird, way overpaid uh deal. It's four what four point three million more per year than the next closest in history. Like that that that's really weird. I think he's gonna come in and say, I want to beat Julio Jones, which that deal is actually old at this point. Um And to me, if you're going to give a guy a higher average annual value, then you want less guarantees. And at the same time, in order to get him less overall money, a lower average per year, you give him more guarantees. Neither one of those are attractive because on one hand, you don't want to give Debo a ton of guarantees because he's already showing signs of injuries. He's already had some injuries and he plays an extremely physical style He's somebody that three, four years from now, you're probably going to just keep your fingers crossed that he stays healthy. On top of that, you can't give him a huge amount per year because of the way the budget is right now for the 49ers. Like I said, they're over the cap. So you're kind of stuck in this no man land where you're just hoping Debo doesn't come in saying, I want 23, 24 million per year. And if he sticks on that, you're kind of going to be stuck in a, well, good for you, but you're not getting it. And it could, this could become a standstill.
0: These things always have the potential to get ugly. And the, the number one way you sour a relationship with a player is by screwing it up at contract time, trying to be a super tough negotiator, offering them a deal that they think is an insult. And then things, you know, kind of can spiral from there. <sighs> if Debo's first job is supposed to be wide receiver, which it is down the stretch this year, he wasn't. Really a wide receiver that often the last four or five games of the year, I think he had more than four catches once. once and that was the Tennessee I game. So like, I-, I think that they're not planning on using him as running back as much as he, they did this year. I think that was more out of necessity because they needed to try and jumpstart things with big plays on the ground game. Kyle even said that they need to be careful with that next year. Cause I think they know that the, the potential for injury is, is so great. Um, But yeah, I just, I would not go crazy with a huge, massive deal for him. You still have the franchise tag that you can use if you want. And I know that pisses guys off, but I would much rather them keep paying Debo what they're paying him, use the franchise tag for two more years and then have him leave than I would be to sign him to like the DeAndre Hopkins deal or even the Julio Jones deal. I kind of cringe a little.
1: Yes. And this is how I would fall. If I was an executive, which, you know, obviously I never will be, but I would have a really, really hard time paying just about any player the huge record-breaking contract. Now, certain positions, yeah, quarterback, you're going to do it. If you get a true generational talent, and I emphasize that because a lot of people like to throw that around, but I'm talking about somebody that's truly like, you can see at year two, year three, he's a freaking Hall of Famer. Somebody like Nick Boza. You you pay those guys. I don't quite put Debo in that category. He is a phenomenal player. I think he'll make a lot of Pro Bowls. I think he can make a couple All-Pros, one of which he already did this year. I would not say he's an otherworldly talent in terms of wide receiver. To me, once that physicality kind of drops because he starts to age, he's going to go downhill quicker. Whereas somebody that has ridiculous route running they sustain a lot better because that route running doesn't go away. They they're already getting by normally by not being athletic freaks. To me, somebody like Debo, he's twenty six. Next year's twenty seven. The year after that is twenty eight, and the year oh, really? after that's twenty nine. Are you can can, I, can you confirm? Yes, I, I I know how to count. <laughs> Sesame Street, Elmo, he taught me a lot of things, <laughs> but. You could keep him next year on the cheap contract. You then franchise him. The franchise tag for this next season, which obviously would not it would be the following year that you're actually franchising him, is 18.5. Well below those numbers we were just talking about for with Julio Jones and the others. You can then franchise him a second time, second franchise at 120% of the first one. So you're looking at probably the franchise being around 19 million the first year you do it. And then 120% of that, you're looking at 22.8 million. That is right around what you're expecting at the what he wants per year. So you get three years of him. He's in his upper 20s. That's when he's going to start to decline. Those are the years that you're going to want to get out of probably, anyways. Those are the years where the contracts are no longer worth it. You know, normally these big contracts, you're overpaying for the early year or you're you're paying for the early years and just hoping they're not so bad by the end of the contract to where it destroys your ability to have a competitive team. To me, I wouldn't pay him now. I I think they're going to have to, but I wouldn't pay him.
0: I wouldn't either. And I hate to say that because it makes me sound like such a miser. And I, I want Debo to get paid by somebody as much as he absolutely can get paid. I just, I don't know. I do worry about how he's going to age. I do think he could end up looking kind of similar to how Anquan Bolden looked later in his career. I like, cause he Debo can make contested catches and that doesn't, that doesn't diminish with age. So he's going to have some value for sure. But I just, you talk about giving this, this top of the market deal. The re, part of the reason you give that to a quarterback is because they are inelastic. They are not, affected as much by the people around them. They can elevate lesser talent around them. It's the nature of the position. They have the ball in their hands every single play. Debo Samuel, let's say Trey Lance stinks, right? Let's say Trey starts next year and he's awful. Debo's numbers are going to go in the tank. Debo's not going to be able to do anything because he won't have a quarterback that can get him the ball. And you still have to pay him all that money, top of the market money. So even if he stays healthy through no fault of his own, he could end up not being as valuable to you because he can't get himself the ball. So that's always my worry when we're talking about paying these big contracts to a Kittle, to, a, you know, any skill player, really uh, that's a possibility. And we don't know what Trey Lance is going to be. We, we think we have a good idea, but we don't actually know until he gets out there. So that's my kind of core philosophy when it comes to that.
1: Okay. So it's interesting. You mentioned Anquan Bolden, Anquan Quon Bolton... He he's one of my favorite receivers of all time. He's probably my favorite non—I know he played for the Niners for three years, but favorite non-49er receiver, if I can say that. You know, he made one Pro Bowl after his first four years. He had no 1,200 yard receiving seasons after his first four years. He had only two 1,000 yard receiving seasons, two with the 49ers after he was 30. Like he is an example of production that while he remained really good and he's probably going to be a Hall of Famer. You don't exactly want to be the one that's paying him top dollar for the production he had. He remained productive, but he didn't remain dominant. And when you're paying top of the line money, you want dominance.
0: Right. This isn't Nuke Anquan Bolden time. Like we're not trying to dunk on his career. He's a fine, fine player, a really good player. But you're right. It's all about paying top-of-the-market money.
1: You you pay the Larry Fitzgerald like Arizona did. You don't pay the Anquan Bolden. That is the difference. They're both probably Hall of Fame players. Bolden, he's a borderline. He might get there, he might not. Larry Fitzgerald is the generational talent. He is the guy that is right up there with the best of all time. Anquan Bolden is the, he's on the all-decade team guy. He's not necessarily generational.
0: Right. No, he's not generational, but yeah, very, very good player. Julio and... is
1: generational. Debo, I don't think is generational. Yeah. He I'm could a... he could he could prove. I think jury's still out on that. But to me, normally you see
0: generational right off the bat. I'm not as high on Julio Jones as you are. <laughs> Guy doesn't score touchdowns. You can't be, you got to score touchdowns to be. I'm sorry. Like people always like to dunk on me for that. Like how how many touchdowns did Atlanta
1: score because of Julio Jones a lot? Just because he wasn't the one that punched it in doesn't mean he wasn't an absolutely dominant receiver. I mean, he's literally one of the most consistent, uh, in terms of yards receivers of all time might be the most consistent.
0: He's consistently injured. I'll tell you that. And he consistently is now in
1: his thirties but he had what like six straight years of 1400 yards that's insane yeah and that's he has generational. one double
0: digit touchdown year one that you sound you sound like a fantasy footballer right now he doesn't score touchdowns so he's worthless how many i didn't say he's worthless i said he's not generational he had he one touchdown last year he had three the year before that he had six the year before that you got to score man if you're going to be a generational guy you got to score. Yards are cheap. Don't give me yards. Yards have never been cheaper in the NFL for offensive guys. Okay. Antonio Brown, way better career than Julio Jones. Way better. I would take Antonio Brown's career over Julio Jones career a thousand times out of a thousand.
1: Uh, well, I think Antonio Brown is the most skilled receiver outside of Moss Owens and rice. He's, he just is a head case. Yeah. That ruined right. his career. I think if Julio, or if Antonio Brown had not gotten in his own way, he would have had, I think he's the receiver that has had the best possibility of chasing Rice's records because his route running is so ridiculously good
0: that he would have aged extremely well. God, he, his career is insane. 1,500 yards, eight touchdowns. 1,700 yards, 13 touchdowns. 1,800 yards, 10 touchdowns. 1,300 yards, 12 touchdowns. 1,500 yards, nine touchdowns, 1,300 yards, 15 touchdowns. All in a row like that. That is a stretch that is insanely good. Uh,
1: yeah, like I said, I think he he is the guy that I think would have made a run at Rice's records, but then he decided to – I don't know how you want to put it. He,
0: I don't know if he, he decided, went, but he well, it went off the rails. Yeah, he decided to reason.
1: be as insane as his statistics were so that way.
0: <laughs> So I don't know. We, we kind of got off on a tangent there, but nonetheless, of course uh, yeah, that's it's off season. It's okay. Um, so coming up this week, again, I mentioned it tomorrow. It's a big day for Niners Nation. We are going to have a ton of interviews for you. Deion Sanders, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, and Trey Lance Levin. And I'm super excited to talk to Trey Lance because last time I talked to him was the Tuesday before the draft. So he wasn't officially a 49er. So this will be my first time talking to him as a 49er. And the thing I want to ask him, and he doesn't seem like he's going to give like a super good answer, but I'm still going to ask because you never assume you know what somebody's going to say. I want to know if it pisses him off that everybody's like, he's not ready. He's played 10 quarters as a professional quarterback. He didn't play at all because of COVID his last year in college or one game, excuse me. Like and people are sitting here like they know what Trey Lance is already. That would piss me off if I were him, and I'm gonna ask him that. You know what? You know what I want to ask him.
1: You're gonna hate this. I want to know if he's found a good ranch dressing in San Francisco because I have a North Dakota wife from North Dakota. You should hear hear her rants when she goes to a restaurant and they bring out some garbage ranch. She hates it, (laughs) and when she finds. When she finds like a good, real, like, I'm not talking about Hidden Valley. I'm talking about normally a homemade. When she finds one, that's like, she she's found two places. And it's like, those are her two restaurants. Just because of the ranch. That's,
0: uh, you know what? I respect that. <laughs> I respect that. You know what you like and you stick with it. I got to, I'm going to show my ignorance here. Like when you say ranch dressing to me i i think hidden valley like that is ranch there's only one kind of ranch it's hidden valley are there other ranches out there that i don't that i need to try
1: not manufactured so in north dakota like a lot of places make their
0: own ranch i don't even know what's in ranch i don't either and i don't <laughs> want to know <laughs> so here's what we need to do i need your wife to come up with a list three or five ranches like if hidden Valley's not not it give me some ranch guidance so your wife has to come up with that list and we will tweet out the list of north you know like ranch real ranch stuff that we need to get on here we it's gotta help be, people
1: it's gonna be restaurants nobody knows like i'm i'm literally saying there's no store-bought ranch that is really really good to does her. she make her own ranch occasionally but normally it's too much trouble Ranch has, like, quite a few things in it.
0: I want a ranch recipe. she got to give us something. Some ranch <laughs> suggestion is what I'm saying here. You, that's it now. You've signed her up. You've conscripted her. <laughs> uh, sure. I, I'm sure she'll be super excited. She should be. Uh, I am going to ask Trey Lance about ranch, if he still puts ranch on pizza, like he said he does. And I want to ask him uh, a couple other, like, food questions about San Francisco, because I'm trying not to give him the same. Like, he's answered questions about Jimmy Garoppolo all year mm-hmm. long. He said what he thinks of Jimmy. He said, Jimmy's a really good guy. You know, like, I don't want to make him answer that again, especially because he's going to be. Doing Ask him these... how
1: he's going to feel if they bring in a Tom Brady.
0: <laughs> right. Like, well, that's all going to be part of it. Right. And I'm sure, you know, he, he's smart enough to know that if he says anything other than like, oh, it'd be great to, to okay. sit and learn under Tom Brady. People are going to be like, what? Like, what if he, imagine if he said, I want to start. I waited my year. It's my time now. People right. Were... They would
1: make headlines, and the team would be aware of it and have to factor in that they might piss off their future. by. Right. And if I was in his shoes, I would be freaking irate. Right. If a team did that to me. Like, I played the good soldier all year,
0: you know? Yeah. I and sat they're
1: gonna here. They're going to bring in a mercenary that hasn't even been on this team, hasn't been in this locker room, because they're That's saying I'm not system. good enough. Like, I would have a hard time if if Tom Brady was brought in, And I was in his situation. I have a really hard time not going public with a trade demand. Like, screw you guys. I'm not sitting here and wasting another year of my career. My career is short
0: enough as it is. The hard thing is, like, it is Tom Brady. Like, it's one thing to get to when they bring in somebody to replace you. Like, I could see Jimmy being like, damn, you're drafting this guy to replace me. I get why Jimmy would be bothered by that. But when the guy they're bringing in is literally the best guy to ever do it, That is a little different. I do have to say that. Yeah,
1: but if you're in that locker room, you got to be thinking, these pricks wouldn't bring in Tom Brady to replace Jimmy Garoppolo, and now they're bringing in Tom Brady to replace me when he's two years older? Come on.
0: Yeah, although he's—
1: You think the people in that locker room don't know who Tom Brady was talking about? I'm sure they do.
0: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I mean, I just thought we were done. I thought we were I, done I with know. all this, man. I,
1: I, I am done. This is the reaction you're gonna get every time. Well, maybe they could go for this quarterback. Is brought up. It's gonna be an fu. Shut up. I'm done with it.
0: Right. Like I just I want to see Lance. <laughs> like imagine opening a present on Christmas morning and then not being allowed to play with it for a year. Like no, I don't want to just stare at this thing in the package all year long. I was gonna say, imagine opening the present, peeking in the box,
1: and then I'm saying, leave it in the box. you don't even get it taken out of the box. Like you got to leave it in the box.
0: It's it's so frustrating, but hopefully like I wish Brady would just come right out and be like, no, I'm done. The fact, see, that's the other part of this. The reason this has picked up legs is because Brady left the door wide open for a comeback, which is like, see, he likes it. He likes that. We're still talking about that. He didn't use the word retirement in his retirement announcement. If you noticed in his statement, he never said the word retire. He said, I'm not going to make the competitive commitment anymore. And then he leaves the door wide open on these podcast by saying, well, six months from now, you know, maybe I'll feel differently. Maybe I'll come back. He likes, I think he likes to have the option. He likes to be courted.
1: Well, I mean, I think that's one of, one of the smaller, obviously, but one of the defining traits of that generation of quarterback. Look at the generation before them. You didn't see Joe Montana. Like he hated the spotlight. Go away. Leave me alone. You know what I mean? And then you got to this, like, 90s, 2000s quarterbacks. You see Peyton Manning, he's still in front of the camera as much as he can get in front of the camera. They want the spotlight, and they don't like it going away. They're very much like actors in that way. I I think we've morphed with all the social media, all the 24-7 news cycle out there. Sports figures have kind of morphed into this, I want to keep the spotlight as long as I
0: possibly can, like actors do. Yeah, but here's the thing. The spotlight's going to be on Tom Brady, whatever he does, right? right? Like Like Joe Montana. Anytime he does an interview,
1: it's, whoa, Joe Montana did an interview.
0: Yeah, he won't come on Niners Nation, though. I'm still working on it. Uh, Anyway, that's just me being bitter. Again, rate, review follow the Niners Nation podcast network. You don't want to miss those interviews. Subscribe now. They'll come right to your phone. You won't even have to think about it. Please, please, please do. It's the perfect time. And like I keep saying, yes, it's the off season, but we are not going anywhere. I think we've proven that now this week with with the guests that you are seeing, we're not closing up shop. So subscribe. I promise you, we will make it worth your while for the entire off season. it's going to be crazy. 11. I mean, a couple of weeks, the combine starts in March 1st. We've got that March 15th is free agency. So like it is not time to, you know, go into hibernation mode. You know, I'm going to say
1: what everybody out there listening is thinking. Yes, I know. Sometimes we wish Rob would go away, Oh, shut but up. it's okay. I'm here to, to balance him. You can stay all off season long. We'll be here. I'll still be, you know, keeping him in check. Making him, you know, I know it's a lot listening to him as much as he likes to put himself out there on this network. I got
0: a whole week of myself on the network. (laughs) I did. (laughs) It wasn't even by design. Javi was going to the Senior Bowl, so he couldn't do it. Sure. It was Kyle Posey's birthday, so he couldn't do it. I did the show with you, and then I did the show with Michelle, which, by the way, I'm dreading tomorrow's show with Michelle because I lost our bet. Do you know about this? You told me, and I'm I'm now drawing a blank. I know you told me about the bet,
1: and I'm drawing a blank now. We
0: both it. predicted the 49ers' record this year, and we were both correct at 10 and seven. But she actually nailed. We went game by game with predict win loss predictions, and she was one game better than me. So now I have to eat a cup of mayonnaise on the show tomorrow. Oof. And just thinking about it, so
1: that's gonna be a video one.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna maybe throw up a little bit. Not gonna I'm going
1: to I might have to create
0: some memes out of that. One. <laughs> <laughs> I like I can't I hate I, I like enough mayonnaise to be like on a sandwich, but anything more than that is like the most disgusting thing to me in the world.
1: You're not going to cheat and maybe try to find a ranch that
0: doesn't have like the seasoning so nope. it looks like mayo.
1: You know my wife did say, "Are, are you going like, to do real mayo or are you going to do Miracle Whip?"
0: No, no, Hellmann's. Got to do Hellmann's. That's the only mayonnaise I've ever eaten. Uh, My wife was like, you know, you could fake it. Nobody would know. I can't do it. I can't fake it. Like, I think everybody will admit you may hate me, but you get authenticity. It is 100% real here. There is nothing fake with me. And I won't do that to you, even though it's going to pain me and I might vomit on the air.
1: I'm not going to make the joke that I thought it's inappropriate. I'm just saying like your wife's talking about faking it like it's no big deal. So
0: Oh, good thing you didn't make the joke. Then. <laughs> Way to re- thank you for your restraint, Levin. Uh, hey, I, I gotta have an out here. You know,
1: I gotta keep my options open. I didn't make the joke. What are you talking about?
0: No, yeah, I just gosh. made it abundantly clear what I was saying, but I didn't make the joke. Okay, that's gonna do it for this edition of the show. show. Rate, review, follow. We'll be back next week. Oh, uh real quick, your Super Bowl prediction. Oh, I
1: don't, I don't want, I don't want this game.
0: I don't want any part of this game. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I want the Bengals to win which is really weird because I love that the, the Bengals are like a laughing stock. Those laughing stocks need to remain in the NFL. Like that's <laughs> part of the lore of the NFL to me, but I want no part of McVay and the Rams getting to be, Ooh, we're super Bowl champs. It'll be, it'll be like the Seahawks. They will get 10 years worth of holding that suit Bowl over the 49er fans heads. Unless the 49ers win one themselves.
0: Yeah, there's no there's nothing on this planet that could get me to root for the Rams. E- like even if they didn't beat the 49ers in the NFC Championship game, I still wouldn't root for an can, NFC can West. Can you imagine
1: team. that Cabo story will probably go on a freaking plaque in the Hall of Fame? Oh god. They won the Super Bowl because they were staying in the same hotel and Kyle tampered. Shanahan was down the road.
0: <laughs> because they tampered in the offseason yeah. illegally. Yeah. Oh, let's go Joe Burrow. Uh, I think I'll take Cincinnati. Uh, twenty-seven, twenty-four.
1: See, I did a bet on twenty-seven, twenty Bengals. Okay, did the squares? No, it was like two hundred and fifty to one odds, on oh. on a betting site. I don't know if I'm allowed to say because I don't know if we have partners or whatever. But yeah, I, the betting site I bet with, I, I did like a five dollar bet
0: on two hundred and fifty to one odds, twenty-seven, mm-hmm. twenty Bengals. There you go. All right. Well, hopefully we're right. Hopefully the Rams lose. Hopefully McVay gacks it up, and then it messes with his head for the rest can, of his Can career.
1: you imagine if he messes up the timeouts and it costs them?
0: I could easily imagine that. In fact, I'm pretty sure he's going to mess up the timeouts in one of the halves on yeah. Sunday. Can I
1: just say, like, side note, every single one of those uh, Kyle Shanahan people that came out of history are terrible with the game management decisions. Yep. That, what is Matt LaFleur known for?
0: Not going yeah. for it on fourth down.
1: Exactly.
0: Yeah, you're right, and they're all—they're all super conservative. They're all bad with game management, and they all—yeah—they don't favor analytics as much as they should. McDaniel's as already they getting. They say
1: they do. They all he- say they're analytic people. Right. McDaniel's and, already and getting are.
0: heat in Miami for what he said about analytics too. Yeah. So it's—it's. It's, yeah. Okay. Well, take it's the good defining with- trait. Yeah, you take the good with the bad, I guess. Anyway, enjoy the Super Bowl, everybody. Like I said, we'll talk to you next week, and make sure you check out the big interviews: Kittle, Dion, Lance, Debo. All that good stuff. Niner Station. Have a good one.